Hey folks, I'm Tennessee Brando and you are listening to If These Hills Could Talk. Uh, Welcome back. Thank you for listening. Uh, Before I get started with this week's subject, I did want to take a minute and address uh, the new listeners. There's quite a few of you on here. Um, Over the last month, month and a half, I've gained quite a large following over uh, the social media platforms and there's still a lot of people out there who is trying to figure out exactly who Tennessee Brando is and where he came from and how he got here. Um, So I definitely recommend going back and listening to past episodes and going back and digging through my YouTube and different channels, you'll find that, uh, yeah, before I started doing the social commentary gig, I was a musician for over 20 years, writing songs, recording, and opening up for a lot of cool people along the way. But uh, back in 2021, I started making TikToks because I just really felt like that the issues at hand was more important than tips in my tip jar. And You know, I felt like that there was things I wanted to be talking about and shining a light on and just give them, just basically throwing my two cents in on. I started doing that and it blew up. And when it did, there was a whole bunch of people who was like, hey, you're that guy from TikTok. And then later on, it's like, hey, you're that Midas Touch contributor. Love your stuff. And a lot of those people didn't realize that I was a singer-songwriter uh, that had been around for a long time. And so uh, for a while there, I was in this uh, kind of slump trying to figure out how to get the music over with the social commentary because, you know, I would post a song that I wrote that was dead serious, or I would share some song I wrote from my past, and it might get a couple hundred views, but then I would share a video roasting Donald Trump or Marjorie Taylor Greene, and they'd get a million. And so I was like, how am I ever going to go about getting people to realize that I'm a songwriter too? And so uh, I wrote the song Bill Lee is a Drag back in March, and I put it on Twitter, and it blew up. And uh, then I put it on Facebook, and it blew up. And it really blew up with help from folks like a name the artist, uh, they shared my song, uh, So Did Texas Paul. Um, Midas Touch shared some of them. And uh, that, you know, having folks with a large follow like that share my stuff really started boosting me. And so I want to thank them for uh, helping get me over. I really appreciate it. But uh, I just started putting the stuff all across the board and not just on TikTok because let's face it, right now there's a lot of controversy hanging around TikTok. There's a whole lot of talk about potential TikTok ban. They ban it in Montana. Uh, I think it's bullshit. Um, I don't want to rant too hard about this because I really want to get to today's subject. But uh, in short, the shorthand version is I feel that Joe Biden, uh, even though I did vote for him and will vote for him in 2024, uh, I think it's a, a, a epically stupid move on his part to ever entertain the idea of banning TikTok. Uh, there are so many grassroots people and influencers who have developed large followings on there that are pulling for him and and uh, and helping spread awareness on issues uh, you know, I'm a guy, I've said this a dozen times, I'm a guy in a single wide trailer in East Tennessee. I drive a 2003 Crown Vic. I work a $14 an hour job and I have millions of people that have liked what I had to say. Um, so I just feel like that, um, you know, if a platform, now TikTok, TikTok is a flawed app. Don't get me wrong. It's a very flawed app and it pisses me off at times. The community guidelines really gets under my skin the way they go about it, all of that. But I've always said that if you go onto a social media app, you you have to accept their terms of service. And if they want to ban something or bar something, they have a right, you know, as a, as a company to, to not have you on their platform. I totally get that. But I really feel that the government banning TikTok is an overreach on freedom of speech. And I believe that... Uh, it's taking people's voices away. Uh, it's going to push them onto the other platforms. And when it does, what's going to happen then? They're going to ban Facebook too because me and Tom Powell Jr. and Hawk and Cricket and people like that saying stuff they don't like. What's going to happen then? So I think there is issues with TikTok that needs fixed. 
and if there's security concerns that need to be addressed, but I think it's a massive tool and a voice, and I think that uh, the left would be crazy to ever get on board banning it permanently. But with that looming over our heads, you know, it caused a lot of us to, to branch out and try Facebook and, and Twitter. And I've had a lot of people say, man, you was on my TikTok. Why are you on my Facebook too? I can't get away from you. Well, buddy, look, if you don't like what I got to say, there's options here, okay? Uh, you don't have to uh, to keep me. You, you, can terminate, you can terminate Brando anytime you want. Uh, you can just simply hit the unfollow button or you can hit hide or you can hit block. And uh, you can keep me out of your newsfeed. I'm not going to shut up for you, though. So you might as well give up on that. But, uh, man, over ever, ever since I wrote Bill Lee as a Drag and just started writing the songs, folks, I was able to write. I've never done this before. I was able to write and record an entire album in only 46 days. That's the fa- And I was working full time. Uh, don't know how I did it. Looking back at it, I don't know how I did it. But I literally would just write the songs as fast as possible, go to the studio the next day, and crank it out. Uh, sometimes I literally, there was a couple of cases where I walked into the studio and they was like, Hey, are you, are, are you coming to record that song you put on Twitter last night? And I'd say, yeah. And the one I put on there this morning that I just wrote, so we're going to do both of them. And so, uh, I cranked out, uh, eight, an 18 song album in, uh, just 46 days right now where we've got it mixed. We're just waiting on the artwork to get done so that we can get it out there to you. And uh, so it'll be coming here in the next couple of weeks. Be sure to look for it. I can't wait to announce that date. And for those of you that follow me on Patreon, uh, you will get it before anybody. Uh, if you've not followed my Patreon and don't know how to get to that real quick, I will say the best thing to do is uh, go to my TikTok because that's where most of you probably found me. If not, go to Facebook or I think it's on Instagram and Twitter as well. And if you look in those bios on there, you will see that I have a link tree and that link tree takes you to every social media app that I'm on. From there, you can find my Patreon and for only five bucks a month, you can get uh, Patreon uh, features, uh, exclusive content that I only post there. Plus, you get a lot of these songs, the rough mixes, uh, stories behind them, uh, you know, us in the studio jamming them. There's all kinds of cool stuff on there for the patrons. And it's only five bucks a month. I don't do the $10, $20 tier. It's just straight up five bucks. I realize times are tough. And if you can spare five bucks and want some extra content, there's the place to get it. Uh, but I did. I, I managed to crank it out and, 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 Man, I don't remember how many of the 18 songs that's on the album. A good 10 of them went viral with help of people spreading them around and sharing them. And uh, like I said in a pr- some previous episodes, there is a freedom now in making music that pisses people off. Uh, I can't explain it because now you're not trying it. You're, you're not worried about, well, I hope they like it or not. You know, you're putting it out there and you got people that's going to love it. You got people that's going to hate it. And the people that's going to hate it is going to stick around and make sure they tell you they hate it. <laughs> and so, you, 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 like the great Roddy Piper, the, the great wrestling villain one time said, he said, it doesn't matter. He said, you know, he said, did they come to the first WrestleMania to see Hulk Hogan? Or did they come to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper? You know, that, that, that they really came to root against that villain. And so, uh, it, it, it's not a problem to me. I'm, I'm actually freer than I've ever been now playing music. And so, thank you guys so much for your support. Now, I'll go ahead and warn you before I get rolling uh, with this week's topic that it's going to be a tough episode to make. Uh, I may have to take a pause. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do if I completely butcher it halfway through it because I don't have an editing team. Once again, for the newcomers, this is an amateur podcast. I'm talking into my phone using the Spotify Anchor app that gets it out to all the streaming services. Um, Don't have a theme song. Don't have anything. So uh, I just... uh, And it's funny, I don't have a theme song, but I... I, I don't want to write my own theme song. If anybody else out there wants to write it, though, I'll be glad to send you a care package. But I just feel weird writing my own song that way. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll get a wild heart mass and do it. But if not, it'll just be the cold open that it's always been. 
But uh, over the over the over time being on TikTok and, and and even here on the podcast at different times and different videos, you've probably heard me name drop or mention my late great uncle Brad. Brad Robbins was my mom's uh, brother. He was born uh, May fifteenth, nineteen fifty four. Four years after my mother was born on May 15th, uh, 1950. I thought, always thought it was really cool that, uh, that my grandmother managed to have two kids on the same day, four years apart. But uh, I wanted to uh, actually take the time and do a whole episode about him because of his influence. And I wanted to uh, uh, talk about it because I've name dropped him so many times before. Uh, when people would say, you know, where'd you come up with that? Or and there's a lot of times I have borrowed from him. I can't lie. So this is one of those moments where I wanted to give him credit um, and talk about him. But it's going to be hard because he's no longer with us. He passed away back in 2020 of a massive heart attack. And uh, we lost him real suddenly. Even though he was in poor health and had been for years, he suffered from dementia. and That was ruthless. Um, but he just went real quick uh, in 2020. And... Uh, it was it was a really hard thing. I don't think I've ever fully come to grips with it because he's the first person in our family that was cremated. Uh, we've always did burials. We've always did funerals. He was the first person in our family that didn't have a funeral and wasn't cremated, or, or was cremated, I mean, and didn't have a funeral. So um, I've never saw his ashes, and I've never saw a grave, and I've never really had no closure. It's almost as though he just kind of got up and walked off one day. Um but uh, I've always said this, and I mean it. Uh, I sincerely mean this. If he could have been in better health uh, and, a, and, a, and a couple of years younger and just been in better health and, and been in his sharp mind that he had, uh, he would have absolutely blew me away on all the apps. There would not be a Tennessee Brando. There would be whatever name he decided to use. There would be Uncle Brad or whatever he would call himself. <laughs> and he would have put me to shame. If I have, if I have 180,000 followers, trust me, he would have had a million. Uh, when I watched Tom Powell Jr. on TikTok, I'm a big fan of Tom Powell Jr., but the first time I ever seen him, it kind of got to me because my Uncle Brad looked a whole lot like that. Uh, you know, big guy with a beard. Uh, I've always said that uh, Tom Powell was like the, the Yankee version of my uncle. Um, and I, so I would sit and watch him and go down and, 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 and Tom Powell is, is, is very, uh, quick witted and very ruthless and very, you know, unapologetic. And so was Brad. And, uh, I actually put him on my mom's phone so she could watch Tom Powell. Like, Hey, watch this. And you know, it's, it's, I've even reached out to Tom Powell and told him that story because, um, it's actually helped us get through it watching him. Cause it's like, there would be Brad. If he had, if he had have lived, he definitely would have, uh, if he could have lived and been in better health and, um, and, and, had, and had a TikTok channel and understand how to use it, he would have put us all to shame. Because there was never a person in my life that had a quicker wit, that was faster on his feet thinking, and um, could absolutely roast people ruthlessly. And he was a master of profanity. He had profanity, he had profanity mastered better than Richard Pryor or, or anybody that I've ever heard. Uh, he could throw profanity in there in a way that was, it's like that uh, movie Christmas Story where the kid says something along the lines of, you know, my father, you know, dabbled in profanity the way some people, you know, artists dabble in oil or however he said that. Uh, that's pretty much how Brad was. But before we get into talking about his influence on me uh, and, and, and as, you know, and the way that I think and talk today, uh, I want you to understand what kind of uncle he was. Uh, he was my mom's only brother, so he's the only uncle on that side of the family. On my dad's side of the family, I have two great uncles, they're, and they're all still alive. My other uncles are. 
Um, my uncle Jesse and uncle Denver, they were, uh, on my dad's side, they, uh, they were, they're great guys. They used to take me coon hunting all the time and fishing and ginsenging and all the things that people in Southeast Kentucky do. Uh, I grew up in the woods with, with them and, uh, had a, had a damn good time. Uh, but Brad was the fun loving uncle. He was, the, he was, the, he was the uncle that, that everybody wanted to have because he's the uncle that would, uh, that would wrestle you in the floor, would put on boxing gloves and box with you, would take you for a ride on his motorcycle. Um, he was also the uncle that would, uh, that would buy you all the dangerous gifts for, for Christmas or birthdays. Every time I would go to open my gift from him, I knew it was going to be something good. And he would always start off by going, now, Hey, listen, listen, now it's okay now don't now open that Brandon, but now listen, now it ain't gonna, I'm going to show you how to use that so you don't get hurt. And I would be a kid opening up these machetes <laughs> and nunchucks and dart guns that I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking dart guns that you shoot like, you know, over here and they just hit a little dart board. I'm talking about ones that if you aimed it the wrong way, could permanently maim whoever was standing next to you. And, uh, Brad was a, was a big gun lover, a diehard gun lover, could shoot the wings off of a fly at 50 paces. I used to go target practice with him. He helped teach me how to, how to shoot. And uh, he was the type of guy, he would, he would set up a beer can. And if there was a Bud Light can, for all you MAGA people that's listening, if there was a Bud Light can, he would look over and say, see that D on the Bud Light? I'm gonna hit right in the center of that D. And I'd be like, I can't see it. Well, right there it is, don't you see it? I'm like, yeah, okay, and boom. He would hit it every single time. If he hollered pull and you threw, threw a bottle in the air, he hit it. He never missed. And uh, he had a, a, a massive collection. He was also a massive Democrat and massive liberal, which was which, which to anybody who around here, that, that always jumped off the page because they would see him and, and hear him talk about his love for guns. And then they would hear him talk politics and say, well, how the hell can you think that? I'll get to that in a little bit. But growing up, he was the he was he was just a fun-loving guy. He was the guy that would take you for a ride on a motorcycle. He would fix up a lawnmower and let you mow the grass, and just teach you things. Like like growing up, he would he would take me for a drive. We'd take go take the trash off, for example. I don't know how y'all do it where you're from, but around here we have we have dumps, and uh, there's just a bunch of dumpsters in a in a yard, and you just take your trash and drive around to these dumpsters and throw them in. Well, if he took me down the road to to take the trash off, he would let me sit in the middle and shift the gears. And he would explain to me how that every gear worked. And like, now, now listen, listen to the engine, listen, listen to the time and watch the RPMs. Now check this out. And he could explain stuff in, I mean, good Lord. He, he, he had a mind. That's why the dementia thing was so sad because he had a mind that was so sharp and so, so witty and just so full of information. Anything in his life that he, loved or appreciated he wanted to fully research it and fully understand it he he was he if he drank if he drank bombay gin he could tell you the history of how bombay gin was recorded if he um you know had a had a smith and wesson he could tell you everything about that smith and wesson every single speck everything about it where it came from who it was invented by uh he just knew his shit all across the board if he was cars uh he could tell you every single thing about them um, he had a mind like nobody I've ever seen. And he was just, he was really quick. He, he was loud too. Like he, 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 he automatically talked loud and he always talked in a hateful tone. Um, so a lot of people would think he was getting on to him or, or telling him off. I've had, I've had people look over at me and him having a conversation and they're looking at me going, why are you letting that dude talk to you that way? And I'm like, that's just how he talks. That's just how he sounds. He's not bitching you out. 
he just sounds that way. <laughs> so uh, growing up, we would uh, we we would you know if he if he was telling you how to do something, uh, like just something as simple as cutting the grass, you know, uh, he would start he would he would walk me out to the lawnmower before I ever got on it. Now listen, all right. This here's a new Craftsman lawnmower. This one, I, you cannot fuck this one up. Do you understand me? Okay. There's a, there's a dip out there in the yard, and if you hit it the wrong way, you're going to mess up my lawnmower. You can't fuck up my new lawnmower. There's a rock over there. It's been there ever since we've been here. You cannot hit it. You'll have to go back and weed it around that. Now, are you hearing me? And so that's actually a decent impression, too. So he, he was always loud, and people looking over would go, damn, you know, he's telling that kid off. Or, you know, hey, take that trash over and put it where I told you. And, and, and so, but that was just him. That's how he talked. He was never talking down to you. I mean, sometimes he was, but like a lot of times he was just talking to you straight. Um, so anytime he ever bought me um, anything that was inappropriate, maybe for a kid that age, uh, I'm sure that it was like, you know, children under this age shouldn't have this. <laughs> Brad was the guy that got it for me. But he was the type of person, I remember one time he buys me a machete, like, like Jason, you know, Jason Voorhees, he buys me this big machete and everybody's like, God, why'd you do that? He's like 10, he's going to kill himself with that thing. And Brad's like, no, he's not because I'm going to show him how, how to use it. And he literally takes his thumb and shows me how sharp it is. He literally takes it and cuts something with it and says, see there, that can cut you. And, and what, now if you, if you hit your cousin Thomas upside the head with it, you're going to lay him wide open. He was real blunt, real direct, but he was, he, he was an educator. He would teach you how to do things. So I went through life as a kid having those things, never hurt nobody. I never hurt anybody with anything he ever got me and never hurt myself because he took time out of his day to really educate me on it and, uh, and, and, and show me what it was. He also, his sense of humor is still to this day one of my favorites. And some people would argue that he didn't have a sense of humor, that he was just talking seriously. But he had this ability to say something dead serious and he would deliver it in such a tone that I would bust out laughing. And he would look at me like, what are you laughing for? And I'd be like, sorry, that was just funny. You know, it was funny what you said. I remember one time he got upset at my aunt. They were always kind of arguing with one another. And uh, he's really upset about it. And he goes, God almighty, she's stupid. Damn, she's so stupid. They ought to take her picture and they ought to put it in the Webster's Dictionary right beside of the word stupid. That way, when somebody turned to the word stupid to look up the definition, they wouldn't even have to read it. They could look at it and they could know exactly what stupid looks like. She's that stupid. And I'm over here laughing. What's funny? Well, I'm sorry. It's just, it's, it's just hilarious. Uh, one time we went through a drive-thru, uh, someone was in a hospital. It might've been my aunt Sally, his wife. I can't remember. Somebody was in the hospital and me and him goes to, and my mom goes to get food for everybody at a McDonald's. And, uh, I remember one of his daughters kind of stressed, dad, make sure that you get ketchup, you know? So we get about halfway back up the road and my mom's checking the bag to make sure everything's in there. And she's like, wait a minute. She's like, they didn't put ketchup in the bag. He's like, they'll be all right. They'll live. They don't have to have ketchup. She said, yeah, but they, they specifically asked. They, they specifically asked that we remind them. And I'm sorry, I forgot. I didn't remind them. And now they don't have ketchup. He said, well, goddamn, I ain't trying to deprive them of ketchup. They'll live without ketchup. They can eat fries one time without the damn ketchup. And I'm over here laughing, you know. What's well, funny? I'm well, sorry. It's just, it's just the fact that you said I'm not trying to deprive my kids of ketchup. Uh, he would just have me in hysterics laughing uh, all the time. And like I said, he could always find a way to throw profanity in a place where you didn't 
didn't expect it. You, 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 so it would always kind of jar you just a little bit. I remember one time he was talking about George W. Bush and he made some comment about, that's the dumbest son of a bitch in the history of the United States of a fucking America. And I went around saying the United States of a fucking America forever after that because I just thought that was brilliant. But, um, you know, growing up, there was so many fun times, man. I remember uh, he would always have a project we'd be working on and uh, he, would, he would be out there in the yard and I would be helping him do things. And, and like I said, he would be talking loud and getting on to me, making sure I did it right. But uh, it was just always a blast. You know, it was all, you, you never knew what he was getting into next. Um, there were so many funny stories growing up. Uh, one time, I'm going to tell this story. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, my cousin's not here either anymore. It's, it's, it's sad that they're no longer here. But uh, this is one of the funniest stories. And, and you re- I wish you could see this because it, it actually, re- I, you need to see my hand gestures, but you're just listening. But uh, we was helping my grandmother move. Uh, after my grandfather passed away, my grandmother got on this kick of moving and she moved. I think we counted up over 10 times between the years 1992 and like 2005, maybe. I don't know. Like, like it, there was a long phase where she just moved at least once a year. It was ridiculous. And my uncle Brad, he's just like, I'm tired of moving. Like, what are you moving for? You're fine where you're at. Just stay where you're at. But she would, she would up and go rent someplace else. She owned a place. She she would rent out her place and then go live in another one. My Uncle Brad could never understand that. You got a place sitting right here you own. You, you've got it bought and paid for just living that. Why are you going over here and renting these apartments when you can just live there? But she didn't want to be there because, you know, my papa passed away. and She wanted to get away from the place. We all understood it. So we would just go over and help her move. So one time, we're, one of the many times we helped her move, we're packing stuff out. And my cousin's there. And uh, he keeps wanting to take a break. He keeps wanting to sit down every five minutes. And so Brad's going, we ain't never going to get this done if you boys don't stop taking breaks now. We got to keep going. Now keep moving. Don't sit down. Don't stop. There's just a few more things. If y'all would hurry up, we get it done. Okay. And so every, every few minutes he'd be, he'd be, my cousin would be sitting down and my, Brad would be getting on to him to get back up. And it just kept going on. And uh, Brad asked him to do something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And uh, my cousin didn't get it right. And uh, he said, God Almighty, son. He goes, ain't you got no sense? He said, boy, you don't know you're hiding in from a hole in the ground. And my cousin said, I do too. He said, no, you don't, son, and I can prove it to you. And he reached down. He took time. I mean, he stopped what he was doing. We're moving. He stopped and he reached over. There was like this notebook laying there. And he grabbed these two pieces of paper out. And he wadded these two paper wads up in each fist. And he looks at my cousin and he holds them up in front of his face, both paper wads. And he goes, this one right here is... Your hind end. He said, you see that? And my cousin goes, yeah. He goes, and this one over here is a hole in the ground. Do you see that? And he goes, yeah. And then he takes his hands and he like moves them all around and takes them behind his back like he's hiding them from him. And he comes right back in his face with them. And he goes, now, which one of them did I tell you was your hind end? And my cousin points at the one he told him and he wads them both up, hits my cousin in the face with it. He goes, neither one, son, are pieces of paper. <laughs> I, I hit the floor. My belly was hurting. I was absolutely rolling in the floor that he took time out to do that. And some people might hear that story and go, God, what an asshole. Like, how cruel is that? But the difference, what you got to understand here is, yeah, Brad would do something like that to me or to my cousin or whoever. But he was always the one there for you if you needed him. You call him at 3 o'clock in the morning, he was always there. He was always there to help you. He might cuss you every step of the way, but he was he always had your back. He was always there, and he was always funny. He was always making me laugh. But then, uh, years later, 
you know, like I've said before in previous podcasts, you know, as, as I was growing up, um, as I was growing up, uh, we always talked politics. My grandpa always talked it. Uh, both grandpas talked it, but my, my, my grandpa Robbins, Brad's dad, who was a Republican, uh, he talked it. And my, my grandmother, Brad's mother, she was a Democrat. So that was, that was a little bit of an odd thing. You know, my, my, they were both, and they were both very hardcore in their beliefs. My, we called her Nana. Nana was a staunch Democrat, staunch progressive, staunch liberal. Uh, uh, my Papa Robbins, uh, Granville, he was the exact opposite of her. I don't know if opposites attract. I don't know if they were James Carville and Mary Madeline or what the case was, but they were different. So they would argue it, and I would hear that growing up. Uh, for the longest time, Brad didn't talk a whole lot about it. If he did, he just sort of would you know, throw in his two cents here and there. But you really couldn't tell where he stood necessarily until after my grandpa passed away. Uh, and I'm up around, say, my, my grandpa died when I was 11. Uh, I almost was ready to turn 12 when he passed away, and then... Uh, that was 92, and then on up around 94, 95, somewhere through there, I'm a teenager. And I was always a reader. I always was reading reading books, even if even though I wouldn't, you know, like I, I was the kid that went to the library and checked out books, whether I needed them or not. Uh, and I would read historical stuff and was very fascinated with history. I love studying different, different eras and time. I love studying the Civil War era. I love studying like the old gunslingers and gunfighters like Jesse and Frank James and, you know, Billy the Kid and Brad was big into that stuff. He had a, he had a like a, a time life collection of these of like the the books about. I still have them somewhere, uh, like the gunfighter and the 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 Indian chiefs and all these different things. So uh, I was always into studying history and 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 just everything in general. And uh, you know I began to try to get a better understanding of politics. Um, and I'll be honest with you. Without Brad Robbins in my life, I've, I've often looked back at this and thought about how that I was an, imp- an impressionable teenager. You know, um, my grandfather, uh, his dad had served in World War II. He was very patriotic. So, and I knew he was a Republican. I knew that, I knew when the word Republican got said that that's what Papa was. And I knew when the word Democrat got said that that's what Nana was. But I absolutely idolized my grandpa. And so, you know, I, I'm sure that as a kid growing up, I, I didn't see anything wrong with being a Republican because he was there and he was always there for me. So I never saw anything wrong with it. But um, as I as I began to listen to politicians for the first time and, and really start zeroing in on that, like I said, I did it at a young age. Uh, I remember seeing a lot of the Republican politicians back then. They've really not changed up their gimmick too much, except the only thing they've done now They've just uh, started saying the quiet parts out loud. Back then, they were more quiet about their racism and their bigotry and their homophobia and all that. Nowadays, they're just going for it full blown. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and people like that's just opened the door to just come out swinging all the way with it. But uh, back then, they were a little bit more quieter. But they always preached family values, having good morals, being patriotic, loving your country, supporting veterans. And as a kid, I remember hearing um, Dan Quayle make a speech about morals and values. And then Lamar Alexander was campaigning here in Tennessee, and he talked a whole lot about morals and values, and he wore a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans and, and these ads on TV. So I would see those things, and uh, again, I was an impressionable teenager. So had Brad Robbins not been in my life, I might have I fell for it. I've often wondered where I would have ended up without him because I remember one day... Uh, you know, trying to figure out, I, I hadn't said it out loud yet, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. I hadn't uttered those words yet. But um, somehow we got on the subject of politics 
And I mentioned Lamar Alexander and how that he was a, a good man and he was for family values and morals and patriotism and all this stuff. And that's when Brad just come completely out of left field on me, literally, uh, I guess pun intended there. He just comes from another train of thought and I wouldn't expect it from him because his dad was a Republican. He was a gun lover, had, had guns all over and was always going target practicing and things. Uh, he was, he was a redneck country dude, just like anybody else. When I see the term liberal redneck, I mean, I'm, I, I think of Brad, but, uh, he looked at me and he said, so you really think he's for that, huh? You really think that's what he's about? I said, well, yeah, that's what he said. I said, Dan Quell was making a speech about it and blah, blah, blah. And he said, let me tell you something about these people. He said, I don't give a shit about you. And I remember thinking, what? You're like, what are you talking about? He said, no. He said, you know, the only time you put that flannel shirt on is to make that commercial, don't you? He said, I don't give a shit about you. And I said, well, what makes you say that? He said, they use morals and values as a stage prop. He said, it's all, he said, the American flag, he said, their patriotism, it's phony bullshit. He said, they don't give a shit about you. And I said, well, how, how can you prove that? How do you know? He said, well, the, the voting records are right there. He said, he's talking about creating jobs. Let's go see how many times he voted to create, let's see how many times he voted to help create jobs. And he just started showing me the basic, he didn't, he didn't go to the hot talking points and try to drive them home. He just cut right to the bullshit. He cut through all the bullshit and got right down to the meat and potatoes and said, look, now he says he's for morals and values, but look what he done to his wife. Look how many look look what look look how many times he's been accused of rape. Look how many times you know, I mean he really began pointing things out, and not just those things, but pointing out, hey, look what he voted for. He said this about veterans. He he said this here about veterans, but look what happened when it came time to vote for this bill that would have helped veterans. He voted against it. Look what would happen when when he talked about health care, but look when it came time to to push health care, he voted against it, and he just started pointing those things out. And like I said, it wasn't like he was trying to hit all the, the liberal talking points. He was just dissecting the Republican talking points and saying, okay, if they really believe in this stuff, and if you think they believe in this stuff, look at where they voted. Look at who they're for. Look at who's funding them. Look at who's backing their campaigns. Look at who's keeping them in office. And I, he's the first person that I ever heard who used the phrase, phrase they're voting against their own interest. Uh, he went a step further and told me that they were like chickens voting for Colonel Sanders. That was his way of bringing it home for me. But still yet, he, he pointed out to me how that, uh, that they don't put their money where their mouth is. And he pointed out to me how you should be insulted by the fact that these people are using your heritage and are using your upbringing and using your accent and using your country uh, ways against you. He's like, they're not country people. They're not true country people. They're not true Southern people. They didn't grow up in a holler like you. They didn't. They didn't have to. They didn't have to work for a living. They, they, they're, they're, they were. They were handed everything in their life. And once he started pointing those things out to me, I began seeing that things weren't exactly like they appeared, and I began to see through hypocrisy. And he was always pointing, "Hey, look! Look at what a hypocrite this person is." And he would just take me right back to, "Okay, forget about who said what about whoever. Forget about the talking points. Get down to the voting." get down to what, what they actually stood for. They might have said they was for this, but how did they vote on it? That's what you got to pay attention to. And he would always have his facts straight. He would always have his numbers right. He was always, and he beats me in that area. I, I'll be honest with you folks. A lot of times I'm reacting to things that I see. And I watch creators out there. There's one of my favorite creators named Boston Smalls. I love Smalls because he always has his numbers and his he has everything in, in order perfectly. Brad did that. Uh, I'm a person who's usually just uh, um, 
I'm a person who's usually just, uh, you know, kind of reacting to what I see. But Brad had everything down and he understood where everything come from. And he had already looked at it from every possible angle that you could imagine. So when the year 2000 rolled around and when we uh, had the Bush correlation, that seemed like it really opened me and Brad up talking more. Right around that time, I also got married, had my first son, uh, lived about 10 minutes from Brad, and I would go up to his house all the time, um, you know, at least once, twice, sometimes more than that a week. And uh, we would watch old movies together. He loved old westerns. Uh, he was big into watching. We, we watched, God Lord, all the uh, the Clint Eastwood, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and all those um, movies. We watched uh, Unforgiven uh, together. We watched uh, movies like Cool Hand Luke, um, just all the old classics. But we would also sit for hours, literally hours, watching political commentary and debates. And there was people back then that he liked to listen to. It's kind of the pre-podcast era. Um, you would have, you know, people that would have their radio shows still, and we would listen to certain people. Uh, certain comedians was big on our list that we listened to. Uh, he loved Lewis Black, the comedian. He loved George Carlin. Um, people like that. We we always listened to them. And uh, during the Bush Kerry years, uh, that that whole uh, election year. Uh, I was up at his house all the time watching. We watched every single debate together. Like if the Democrats had a debate, we watched them. But get this, if the Republicans had a debate, we watched it. Hey, the Republicans are talking, let's listen. And he always taught me to hear their side too. When I argue that there's not both sides to the argument, in some cases there's not. But you still need to listen to what the person's saying and hear hear what they're saying so that you know what you're saying. It helps strengthen your argument if you at least hear the other argument out. And so he would always, and as as they were talking, uh, I remember he would have his TV on the channel. He'd have his he would have his laptop computer in his lap, and if one of the candidates said something, he go and he did this to Democrats too. If they said something that they voted for, say, oh hold on, he did not vote for that. Hell no, he wouldn't for that. Hold on a minute, and he'd pull it up. Now there's people out there that would argue. Well, you know, I hear this I hear this comment all the time from conspiracy theorists. They'll say, well. You know, liberals own the media. The liberals control the information that gets out there to us. But Brad always pointed out that public voting records are just that. They're, they're public. Anybody can look those up, and you can see what a person voted for or what they voted against. And he was always very quick to, to call out bullshit on both sides. If he, it, it, during the Democratic debates, he would, not, and, and we would go back and forth on that. I remember, and it became like a, it honestly almost became like two people talking sports. As bad as I hate to say that, because I don't, I'm not a sports fan, and I hate, I hate that, I hate that politics has turned into that. But it was literally kind of, it become a point of like, okay, like I remember during that election, I was a big Howard Dean fan. Uh, I also liked Wesley Clark a lot, and uh, Brad was like, "Nope, it's John Kerry." He's like, "John Kerry's our guy," and I was like, "John Kerry's boring as shit," you know? No, he's not. And we would go back and forth about that, and we would talk about the, you know, I would say, "Well, here's what I think's wrong with John Kerry," and he'd say, "Here's what I think's right about him." And here's what's you know wrong about George W. Bush, and and um, he just really helped me to understand things like that, and 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 we 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 really bonded over politics and over old movies, uh, sitting around watching those old movies together, and it would be like okay, let's let's get our mind off the politics for a minute, let's watch this old western, you know, let's check out this old, uh, let's watch the movie Hoosiers or something. He loved Gene Hackman. He was a big Gene Hackman fan, big Robert Duvall fan. We watched The Apostle together. Um, 
God, so many movies. That movie, oh, what's it called? Here's why, you know, I need an editing team, I guess, but uh, really it's just me sitting there talking to you. The movie where, uh, I'll think of it in a minute, but it's the movie where James Earl Jones and Robert Duvall finds out that they're brothers. Um, is it a family thing? Is that the name of it? Anyway, Billy Bob Thornton wrote it. We watched that together. Of course, we watched Sling Blade. Um, and, you know, just so many movies we would watch together. And then, okay, let's get back to our politics. Let's, let's, let's get in here and study this stuff. And we did it for years. Uh, and, I, and we would have some of the most long-winded phone conversations in history. I'm talking three-hour phone conversations. And it will be all about whatever just happened in this world. And I miss those conversations so bad. Uh, because if he were here today seeing all this bullshit going on, he would have plenty to say, and he would have angles of thought that I hadn't thought about. And that's the one thing about him that I always appreciated was his ability to have a different angle of thought, even when it was within our own party. If we were debating on whether the nominee should be Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, he had reasons why it should be both of them and reasons why it shouldn't be both of them. Um, he pointed out things that they got wrong. He pointed out mistakes they made and, and, and truths that they twisted. You know, there was times when, now that ain't all the way true, you know, and he would, he would come at it, um, and really challenged me to think. He, he always challenged me to think, uh, and see it from a different point of view and to get an understanding of, all, of how it all worked. And he wasn't just a person that just wanted to watch presidential elections. He wanted to fo focus on the senators, the congressmen, the House of Representatives, the governors, right on down to the mayor and the magistrate. I mean, he was, he was hardcore into that, and he believed in what he believed in. He stood for what he stood for. Um, as far as the, the guns went, you know, uh, getting into that, uh, he had them. And like I said, he, he was a good shot with them. Um, but he always, uh, you know, taught, taught me about them and how to use them. And he used to make this argument all the time that, you know, Democrats aren't coming for your guns. He, he would always point out that, you know, um, that, that, that he would point out to me how the NRA had been bought and paid for and how that they were buying these politicians. And he was for common sense gun laws and common sense gun control. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know that if he was here today, and we were we were having this debate about everything that's going on in the schools. I know that he wouldn't be for certain weapons being allowed out on the street. I, I know he wouldn't be for that. I know he would he would be for being uh, responsible and 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 having some common sense with it. So, uh, you know, he 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 just always pointed out that you know he was for the right to bear arms. He was for uh, you know the Second Amendment. But he always talked to me about how the Second Amendment was badly misinterpreted, and how that also it's a you know two hundred year old sentence that you know he was very he just had a lot of common sense about it. He, he so he, so he wasn't he used to tell me all the time he's like he's like but these people that thinks us Democrats can't shoot a guns wrong you know if they if they think we're not going to defend ourselves they're wrong, and he encouraged me uh, right up till, till we we stopped talking and I'll get to that in a minute. But he he always encouraged me to get my concealed carry permit. And, and, and defend myself. He was always for that. He never, he never backed down off of that idea. Um, and he, he didn't like the fact that people tried to, to paint it as though we were anti-Second Amendment. He was just for common sense. And, um, you know, uh, we would go to these, we would go to gun shows together. We, we would go to gun shows where we would walk along and he would buy one while we were there. But, you know, I remember one time we were there and there's these like, Guys standing there that looked like they could, they, they didn't look old enough hardly. To, I mean, if they were 18, they were just a day over it. And, uh, you know, like some redneck looking boys buying these big AR 15s. And he's like, 
you really think that boy needs that? <laughs> you really, you really think he needs to be taking that? What, what's he? What, who's he going to? You know, what's he need that for? So I don't want to give the impression that he was that he was somebody that didn't uh, understand uh, about guns. He he understood them thoroughly. He just he was a sec- he did support the Second Amendment, but he didn't support the NRA and he didn't support all the bullshit that came with it. Now, I'll be honest with you. He got to a point as as he got older. And looking back at it now, I realize his dementia was probably kicking in a lot sooner. But he got to a point where that if you weren't Republican, that he, he, just, he just got to a point where he couldn't tolerate you, especially with the rise of Trump. You know, he, he, just, he, just, he just could not tolerate you if, if, if you tolerated that. Uh, so I know right there, there would have been, you know, the, the vote, he would have agreed with me 100% about there's not two sides to treason, there's not two sides to racism, there's not two sides to homophobia. And, you know, Brad was a guy who would admit to you, he would talk about it openly. He would admit to saying racist things when he was younger. He would admit to making homophobic uh, comments when he was younger. Uh, and he said, he said, you know, he said, I grew up around it. That's, that's, that's how we talked. That's how he saw, he said, and he talked about, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier about being a impressionable teenager, he talked about how he was very impressionable during his younger years and he would have cousins and uncles and people say certain things to him and he would repeat it thinking it was a good thing to say. And years later, he realized just how wrong it was. He was a person who, even though he was very stubborn, extremely stubborn, uh, he also could change his mind if, you know, if, if he felt like that he was wrong about something, he, he didn't have a problem saying, hey, I used to think this way, but I don't anymore. He was very open about that. And if he started talking about racism, he wouldn't sit there and just slam a bunch of racist people without saying, hey, look, I, I can't, before I say this now, I'm going to let you know, I've, I've used words I regret and I've said things I regret and I've held certain views that I regret holding that I didn't know. I was uneducated. He would always say that I was uneducated. I didn't know no better. I was uneducated. And he used to tell me all the time, he's like, there's a big difference between being ignorant and being stupid. He's like, ignorant means you don't know. He said, I was ignorant about a lot of things. He said, but when I learned, I learned better. He said, if you continue to do it after you've learned, that's stupid. And that that's how he always put it to me. And so um, he was very open and honest about that. He wasn't a hypocrite about that at all. He was open and honest about his past and, and the way that he one time saw things. Um for a while, believe it or not, he was actually a deputy. He was he was actually in law enforcement for a while. He saw a whole lot of things in there that he didn't like and he couldn't be a part of. And he would talk about that. Um, you know, he he was he was one of the, he was absolutely probably the most brutally honest person I've ever met to a fault. Uh, I won't get into everything that happened in his life, but uh, he had a hard, lot of hard times in his life. And during those hard times, he was so truthful that I was like, you might need to not be truthful. <laughs> you might not need to say that. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best thing you could be saying right now, but he would, uh, he would say it anyway. I don't care. It's the truth. And he would let it rip and he never backed down off of it. Uh, he was truthful right up to the very end. Uh, when he got in poor health, you know, I began driving him to all of his doctor's appointments and, uh, we would, uh, have some of the best conversations in the car, you know, driving about 45 minutes where we live here in Cumberland Gap. There's, there's not really anything here. If you're going to go to the doctor, you got to go to Knoxville or Morristown or somewhere like that. And so we would make trips down to the doctor and, and, uh, and I would have to go in with him and, and cause when he started slipping a little bit with his mind, I would have to go in and kind of hear what they had to say and be able to come back and tell everybody, Hey, here's what they said. And here's what's going on with him. And, uh, every time we went to the doctor, every single time, uh, like I said earlier, he talked really loud. So he'd get in the doctor's office and if they had the news on, oh God, he had no filter, 
No filter whatsoever if he was in front of people. So say you walked into a doctor's office and Fox News was on, he could not hold it. And I, I, I would look up and see it. I go, oh, no. Oh, God, no. Fox News is on. And here he'd go. He'd sit down. Hey, God. And I guarantee you. Well, I'm going to tell you how loud he talked. He would go. I, sometimes I wouldn't go back with him. He, I'll go back by myself. You don't need to come back this time. I'd go back. I'd sit out in a, I would sit out in the waiting room. I couldn't make out what he was saying to the doctor, but I could hear it from the waiting room. Through the walls, I could hear the rumble of his voice. So imagine you're sitting there, Fox News is on, and there's, you know, there's like George W. Bush talking, oh, God Almighty. Yeah, we got a bunch of Fox News watchers in here, a bunch of people drinking this Kool-Aid. Good Lord. If you believe that, I got an ocean front up there at my house. I'll see you in the Cumberland Gap. Come up there and get it. And I'm like, Fred, I'm like, be quiet about it. Or we'd be at a gas pump, and somebody just randomly like make a comment across the gas pumps about, you know, uh, boy, Obama's driving the gas price up. But the president ain't got a damn thing to do with that. You need to educate yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, he had no filter. He would, he would, he would start talking to his doctor. He would start talking to the cashier at Walmart. It didn't matter if he seen something that he didn't approve of, or they said something he didn't like. He did not have any filter to pump the brakes. And not, if somebody said something, he let it rip. And he didn't care who you were. And if he disagreed with you, myself included, he would lay into me. Let me tell you something, Brandon, and here he'd come. Uh, we disagreed really big time about um, Bernie Sanders. I was a Bernie bro. Brad wasn't. Uh, Brad was uh, Hillary all the way, uh, and he was unapologetic about it, and, and it didn't matter. And he would absolutely roast Bernie to me and, and, and w wouldn't cut me a lick of slack for that. Uh, so it wouldn't just, uh, it wouldn't just people that, you know, that had different viewpoints, you know, if he, if he believed strongly in something and, 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 and you better, if you, if, if you believed in Bernie and you believed in Bernie's ideology, then you better have studied up on it, read up on it, know what the hell you're talking about. Cause he's going to tell you everything Bernie ever said. <laughs> he's going to pull up every quote he ever pulled and throw it back in your face. And, uh, yeah, we would, we would be at those doctor's offices and not hear him talking through the walls about it and be going, Oh man. And I'll be honest with you, it would sometimes get a little so intense, he would start arguing with somebody in a doctor's office that I would actually kind of fake a phone call and walk outside. Like, oh, my phone's ringing, hold on a minute. I'd walk outside to get away from it because sometimes it would get a little too tense. But uh, as time went on, uh, looking back at it now, we understand that he did have dementia and we understand now that a lot of the things he said and did near the end of his life, I don't think was really within his control. Uh, he had had a, a serious, uh, serious uh, accident back when he was younger. He had a um, he had a, a steel plate in his head from it. Uh, he was told as a young man after that incident that uh, he would start having seizures when he was older, and he would start having some drooling issues, and he did. He got to where he couldn't ride his motorcycle anymore because of it. He loved his Harley. He loved to ride his motorcycle better than anything, but he got to where he couldn't ride it because of that. And... Uh, he also, at uh, one point, began turning, you know, getting really hateful with the people that he loved. Uh, and I was one of those people. Um, I've learned that now, studying it, I've learned that people with dementia sometimes takes things out on the people they're closest to. And I'm not going to go into it with you guys because uh, it's a personal matter between me and him. And, it's not, and I've had time now to get past it and realized that, that he didn't mean it towards me. But right near the end of his life, uh, I was trying to help him. I was trying to take him everywhere he needed to go. 
and trying to do everything that he needed uh, in life. I was, I was really trying to be there for him. And one day he just turned on me. And uh, at a time when I didn't expect it and at a time when I sure didn't need it, and uh, it absolutely gutted me. Because I, I knew somewhere, like, this ain't the person that I knowed uh, my whole life. So, uh, we didn't speak for the last three years of his life, maybe. Um, we, di we didn't talk. Because he got so upset at me, and nothing I said could change his mind. Uh, I really feel like that I was in the right. Um. And if, if if I'm not going to tell the story, but I'm just saying that if I told the story to any reasonable person, him included, if I could go back and tell a 1995 version of Brad the same story, I'm sure he would agree with me. But uh, I felt like I was in the right. Uh, he didn't, and he just he just stopped talking to me. It was like I, I ain't got nothing to do. You know, he he got that upset at me, and so for the last three years of his life, we didn't speak. Uh, I didn't. I just I I figured I'd wait till. He wanted to talk to me, and sometimes I would kind of send word by my mom. My mom still talked to him, and I'd send word by her that I, you know, that I would like to talk with him, and he would get upset if my name came up because he got in this mode of thinking where everybody was against him. He thought everybody was out to get him, which was completely out of character for him, you know, but that, that's where he ended up. And so uh, the last time I ever laid eyes on him, I hadn't talked with him in a couple of years, and... My mom had, uh, this is a long story, but my mom had actually moved in beside him in my grandmother's old place, and now she was moving out of it, and I was helping her move out, and uh, I saw him walking from his mailbox. He had went out to get his mail, and I thought, I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Just walk up to him and just uh, apologize. Even though you feel in your heart you're right about this, put that aside and just apologize anyway. I'll be honest with you, part of me wanted an apology from him, but I realized he wasn't capable of it, So I, I, and I realized the situation, so I just thought, okay, just, just walk up and mend that fence, just, just, or try anyway. Just try to just, just swallow your pride here and say you're sorry, even though you don't think you were wrong. Just, just say you were sorry and try to mend that fence. So I stepped down off the porch, and as I started to walk to him, he looked up at me, and when he made eye contact with me, he just rolled his eyes and took a deep breath like, God, like, why are you coming at me? It's kind of the way I interpreted it. And so I just said out loud, I said, okay, okay then. And I turned around. And uh, if I had it to do over, I would have took, uh, I would have went ahead and took one more uh, I would have went ahead and took one more verbal berating from him. You know, it would have been okay. All right, sorry about that, folks. I had to take a minute and uh, compose myself, pull myself back together. Like I said at the start of this episode, I knew it wasn't going to be something easy to talk about. But yeah, if I had it to do over, I probably would have attempted to walk on up to him and uh, and talk and, and work it out. But uh at the time, I just thought, okay, I'll just respect him and back away. And uh, I really didn't think he was going to go out as fast as he did. I had no idea that he would go like he did, even though 
I knew he was sick, knew he was in poor health, and knew that for a long time. I just, I never dreamed that it would happen as fast and happen the way that it did. Uh, he passed away on the 4th of July in 2020. And uh, that was, you know, right back when the pandemic had started. And, you know, Tennessee shut down there in March or April, whenever it was. We shut down for a little while. And then I remember we opened back up like a bunch of idiots. And nobody really understood or knew what was going on with COVID. I had actually just signed with a management company that was trying to promote my music and trying to push me out there right around the time that happened. And they were like, well, let's just see if, if things are open back up, let's go ahead and try something. And looking back at it, it was, it was definitely a mistake, but, uh, uh, we didn't, at the time, you know, everybody didn't really understand what was going on fully and maybe never will. But I went on down there on the 4th of July and played a show. And when I came home, I got the news. I got home late that night and I got the news that he had passed away. Uh, earlier that day, his daughter invited him to a cookout and, uh, he didn't feel like going. So she, made him some food on the grill and she took it to him and she said she talked with him. He seemed like he was doing okay. And she said the food on a little island he had there in the kitchen and, you know, basically told him, said, dad, get up and eat. And he said, I will in a minute. I'll get to it. And she said, okay, I'm going to go to the fireworks show. When I get back home, I'll check on you. And, uh, when she came back from the fireworks show, he never made it to that plate of food. Um, he, uh, he died of a massive heart attack and the doctor said he was pretty much gone before he ever hit the floor. Uh, which may have been a blessing in some way because he didn't have to suffer anymore and he didn't have to suffer for a long period of time. It just was something that was over really fast and uh, maybe that was the best. But, uh, you know, like I've said before, it was as though he just sort of got up and walked out of my life and I never got that closure. I never got a funeral or I don't have a grave I can visit. And so uh, it, 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 it really has weighed on me for a long time. But uh, I've come to understand dementia better now. I had another dear friend that we lost due to it. And uh, anybody out there that's ever, you know, suffered, uh, had, a, had a loved one that suffered from dementia, uh, I don't really have the words for you. I know it's brutal and ruthless, and uh, I know it, it really hurts. But uh, I understand that the, the Brad Robbins that I had an argument with uh, was not the one that raised me. I realized that none of that was his fault. I realized that, uh, you know, he wasn't in his right mind, and, and I, I completely understand now, but it still don't make it any easier. It, it, it's, still, it's still hard to know that that's the note we ended on. But I've always been a storyteller long before I was a social commentator. I was a storyteller and a songwriter, and I've always believed that, that as a songwriter and a storyteller that you're in control of the narrative and you should be the one that gets to tell how the story ends. And I don't think that mine and Brad Robbins's story should end on the note it ended on. I feel like that it should end by me making this podcast episode and letting everybody know what an influence he was on me and how that if he was here today, I wouldn't even have a gig because he would have blew me completely out of the water. If he'd have got a gig on Midas Touch, me and old Texas Paul would have been out of work because he was that good at it. And um, I think that... Uh, the one thing I, I want to do is uh, is just always honor his memory and and uh, and let everyone know that when you when you hear Tennessee Brando talking, you're 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 hearing a lot of Brad Robbins in there because he reached in and and grabbed me at a young age, and I'm so thankful that uh, that he caught me as I was coming up and I was impressionable and I could have easily been led in all sorts of directions. He just came in, he got right to the point, he cut through all the bullshit, got right down to the truth of the matter. And, uh, and, and helped me, he helped me to learn. I started to say he taught me everything I know, which he did teach me almost everything I know, but he also helped me on how to learn, 
how to go about learning something the right way. And uh, that's something I'll never forget. You know, I, uh, he, uh, I, I've got, and you know, I don't, I doubt any of them's going to listen to this, but if they do, fuck y'all. I've got a lot of cousins. That's what he would say if he was here. Fuck all of you. I've got a lot of cousins that ended up becoming Trump humpers and MAGA Republicans. And uh, if he was here today, he'd be calling you out on your bullshit. And, uh, but I, I sometimes wonder where I would have ended up in life if he hadn't come along. You know, I mean, maybe, who knows? I might have, I might have never looked at it the, another way or, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I've sometimes wrestled with that, thinking about it. But uh, I'm lucky that I had him as, a, as, a, as an influencer years before the word influencer was a thing, you know. Um, but I can tell you what drew me to him was his just, his just unapologetic love for the truth. Um, his unapologetic love of just wanting to get right down to the point and make the point and point out how stupid and idiotic some belief systems are and, and how stupid some catchphrases and cliches are. And that's how that mine and Brad Robbins' story will, will continue. It, it's, it's not over. Uh, I'm not going to let it end on that bad note. I'm going to always, you know, be out there creating things and he's always going to be an influence over it. And, uh, you know, back when I started making TikToks um, and they blew up and everything, my ex-wife for years used to tell me, she used to say, you ought to record your political rants and put them online. Put them on YouTube, put them on Facebook. I say, oh God, people wouldn't want to hear that. And she's like, no, I'm telling you, you should put it on there. So whenever Trey Crowder blew up and became the liberal redneck, she actually messaged me one day and she said, have you seen this guy? And I said, yeah, it's awesome. I love him. And uh, she said, that should have been you. You should have been doing that. That was what you should have been doing. And I said, yeah, probably was. And uh, it took me a few more years before I latched on and started doing it myself. But I think on that too with Brad, I think, damn, man, if I could have had some of those rants I listened to and some of those debates we had on tape, if I could have put those on YouTube or made those into a podcast episode, I'm telling you what, man, you know, having me and him and Texas Paul on a podcast episode would have been absolute epic. You know, <laughs> it would have been epic. And I guarantee you he would have had all of us on our toes and all of us thinking and all of us scrambling to, to, to keep up with him because he was just that good. He was absolutely a master at understanding and a master at, uh, at, at thinking on his feet and being quick-witted. Nobody had his wit. And there's so many, I, I, there's times I've, I've been talking and right in the middle of a TikTok video, just something I heard him say would just sort of come back and come right through me, you know, just like boom, just right, right out of my mouth and I'd hit the stop button. I said, damn, that's something Brad told me years ago. But uh, that's, that's how I'm not going to let, uh, you know, our, our story end on a bad note. Uh, the world should know who he is. And if I have a following and a platform, that, that, that following and platform should know who he is and should understand his influence. And so that's why I did this. It was hard as fuck to make. <laughs> I, I didn't think I was going to get through it. This last half of the podcast here, when I came back and said, sorry, folks, I had to recompose myself. I think I did about five takes of that because I couldn't, I couldn't compose myself. But, uh, but it's okay because uh, I know that, uh, like I said, I know he would be proud. I know he would... I know he would be cheering me on if he was here. So we're going to keep moving forward, and we're going to we're going to take the things we learn and uh, and and pass them down. I, I really believe that when you when you gain knowledge from somebody, the best thing you can do is pass it on to somebody else. And it wasn't too long ago I had a 
had a young kid reach out to me, like 22, 23 year old. Here I say young kid, I'm 43. Feel kind of old talking about a 20 some year old being a young kid, but they are to me. And he reached out to just be like, man, I've been listening to your videos and I've, I've, uh, you've really been making sense to me and I've, I'm starting to see things differently from how a lot of people around here in these parts see it. And, uh, I said, well, thanks. You know, I really, really appreciate you. I appreciate you for reaching out and saying that to me and appreciate the kind words, but you know, in the back of my mind, I was going, well, uh, you can thank me if you want to, but we also, you know, we owe a thanks to Brad Robbins because he was my TikToker at a time when there wasn't TikTok. He was my social media influencer when there was no social media influencing. And uh, I miss the hell out of him. I, I do. Uh, he was, uh, I could talk about him the rest of the night and never grow tired of it. Uh, I've got plenty, plenty of funny stories and plenty of great memories. And uh, that's, that's, where, that's what I choose to keep in my mind, you know, and know that uh, any, any, any bad thing he ever said to me I know in his heart of hearts that that wasn't him talking and, uh, and I'm okay with it. Um, I'm perfectly okay. Um, because we're here now and we're, and we're doing, we're doing this and we're, we're carrying on. And the best way that I can honor him is to carry on what he taught me. And I can tell you this much, if, if, if people at, if people was coming at him with a bunch of hatred and a bunch of bullshit, he would come back at them sevenfold as hard as he possibly could, he would never back down. And I guarantee you that if he was here today watching over me, watching me do this, and I said, God, I keep fucking taking it no more, he'd be like, you get your ass back on there and you tell that son of a bitch. And that's where we'd be. So I'm going to get back on there and tell them sons of bitches, whether they like it or not. I don't care if they like it. They don't have to, they don't have to pass me in a dollar store and wait, fuck them. <laughs> I, I go around <laughs> I go around hearing him talk all the time. I was actually walking out of a store the other day and this dude that used to come to my shows walked by and he seen me and didn't speak. This guy used to always speak to me. Every time he saw me, hey, Brando, where are you playing at next? And he looked at me and just kept walking. And I, th and I thought, I know why you didn't stop and ask where I was playing at next. And then Brad's voice went to me, well, fuck him then. <laughs> so uh, that's where we're at. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep moving for Uncle Brad and we're gonna keep uh, going forward. And uh, thanks for listening to this one. It wasn't an easy one to make, but I promised you guys that I would. And I, I finally sat down here at the table, cracked open a Miller High Life and did it. Uh, so uh, probably going to get off here and have me a shot of some gin and juice. That was Brad's drink of choice. So maybe I'll have me a gin and juice to close out the night and think back on all those great rants we had. Uh, but I really appreciate y'all listening, folks. Uh, like I said, this wasn't an easy one to do, but I appreciate you hanging in there with me. And uh, this, uh, this shot I'm about to take is for Brad Robbins. So until next time, I'm Tennessee Brando. You guys keep tuning in. And thanks to Brad Robbins, I'll keep telling you the truth. <laughs>